because we were willing. And so God, we continue to pray for our kindergarten, for enrollment especially, that in spite of JC's merging and schools closing down, um, Lord, you would provide because it's a good thing. And so Lord, we want to pray that this good thing will be given to many, many more families and lives and we will see whole families coming to you, experiencing your grace because we are here. And Lord, now as we look into your word, I want to pray, Lord, that you will touch our hearts, you would send encouragement from on high, that we would be able to leave this hall once again fully trusting in you, and we can make an impact where you have placed us. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So now that in this service we don't have little children with us, I can take a bit more liberties um, and talk about what kind of a scary, crazy world that we live in. You know, a crazy world where on the same street you can have children who wear nice uniforms and then they go to school. But along that same street you have other children who are shabby, practically in rags, and they don't go to school. In fact, they go to work. Uh, this is the Philippines that we are very familiar with. Um, a scary world where children are, are taught to hate. You know, can you imagine a parent putting a placard like this in, in the children's hands and teaching them that not them, but God hates? And you can see one top left-hand corner, uh, like, Thank God for dead soldiers, you know, soldiers, uh, American soldiers who are sent to Iraq to fight and they die. And Christians can say thank God for dead soldiers. Uh, where children are taught to shoot, to shoot at people of another race, to shoot at people of another religion. And other children are taught, don't shoot, don't shoot. Don't shoot me just because I'm black. Or don't shoot me just because we are of a different race or a different religion. A crazy world where mothers want to have a baby with her son. And even coin a word for it. It's like a medical condition. I can't help it. It's a medical condition called genetic sexual attraction. Okay, This came from the mother, which is now becoming very popular. And can you imagine when this kid comes about, hopefully not, what would this kid call mummy? Is it mummy or grandma? What would this kid call, is it daddy or bro? It's a crazy world. A crazy world where 11% of uh, children in America are diagnosed with ADHD, uh, Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder, 11% and of this 11%, some 85% are given medicine. I think Ritalin or, or something. To medicate them because they're hyperactive. But across the Atlantic Ocean, in France, not 11% are 
are diagnosed with ADHD, but 0.5%, 22 times less. So are French kids so different from American kids? And American kids, 85% of whom diagnosed are medicated? And so a doctor wrote this book called A Disease Called Childhood. And this doctor addressed um, ADHD and said it's become an epidemic in America. But I sort of suspect that this is kind of like I medic, parents will medicate their children uh, because the parents don't have the time or the energy to, to deal with engaging them and all that. I mean, the difference is just too large, okay? There is something wrong from 0.5% to 11%, 22 times difference. I have one last scary picture to show you, and it really is about a disease called childhood. And it's about two grown men who throw childish tantrums uh, whenever they don't get their way, and they really seem not to ever have outgrown their childhood. And these two men are now heads of state, and they may well have a disease called childhood. Okay, don't you think this is a really scary picture? If you ever combine Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un together, I think that would be the end of the world. So it's a crazy world. And if it were not so sad, it might be funny. But it's really mad and sad and crazy. Uh, some weeks ago, just before Easter, you might have uh, read about the massacre of uh, 47 Christians in two churches in Egypt among what is called the Coptic Christians. It was on a, a Palm Sunday, the Sunday before uh, Easter Sunday. So 9th of April this year, uh, not so long ago, almost exactly one month ago, 47 people were killed. And how do you respond to this? How do you even talk to your children about such craziness that people will put a bomb in, inside a church and, and then declare victory and that God is for us? How do you handle such a world? How do you prepare children for such a world? How do we even address it ourselves as adults? So, and, and on this uh, massacre, uh, Joy Chu, um, Dr. Joy Chu actually, sent me uh, a video. Um, it was a sermon by this guy, Father uh, Boulay, I think, Boulay George of St. Mark's Cleopatra Church in Egypt, in Cairo. And he was preaching to his congregation just after the killings in Egypt. And after I watched it, I immediately texted back to, to Joy Chu, uh, WhatsApp back to her, I said, hey, I found my sermon. I found my sermon for Kindy Sunday today. It's only nine minutes long, this sermon. Nine minutes. And I know I need to learn from that, but you guys know that I'm a slow learner, so today is not going to be nine minutes. Okay. Um, but the way... This priest talk, um, he says, we ought to be thankful. We ought to be thankful of being persecuted. In fact, terrorists, you know, I thank you for persecuting me. Then he says, uh, but I love you. I'm going to offer grace to the killers. Uh, I'm going to love them as God loves me. And then he says, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for all you uh, people who, who set up bombs and all that. So he's going to be thankful. He want to be graceful. And he's going to be prayerful. And I was just imagining on that Sunday when he was preaching this nine-minute sermon, uh, say the kids or even the adults around there, what kind of an impact 
it would have had for them who, who were up close and personal with this kind of a crazy world. And so today, uh, this is my sermon outline, or this is my lesson, kindy lesson plan, boys and girls, that we should be thankful, we should be graceful, and we should be prayerful. So to be thankful, coming to the Word of God, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks, be thankful, all circumstances. And um, G.K. Chesterton, one of these very famous English writers and philosopher and, and ex-journalists, he said this, he said, I would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought and that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. And, and no wonder, no wonder that, that you can be thankful in spite of persecution you can be thankful in all circumstances. It's not a wonder, it's biblical, right? Because this is what the Bible says. And then it says, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or you take them with gratitude. And there is scientific empirical evidence that being grateful, being thankful is good for us. It says this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, that you ought to be thankful in all circumstances. And so I found in the 3rd of April 2015 issue of uh, Psychology Today some of these evidences. Number one, it says that being thankful improves your physical health. And there is this research paper in 2012 uh, on the study of, of this thing. Uh, number two, that it improves psychological health. And then another research paper, multiple studies done by this guy, Robert Eamons. Uh, number three, that it enhances empathy, the ability to relate, the ability to be in somebody else's shoes, and it reduces aggression. Number four, it helps you to sleep better if you are a thankful person. Number five, it improves your self-esteem when you are thankful and number six, it increases mental strength if you are thankful. And all these research studies, you can go look it up. So G.K. Chesterton says that when it comes to, to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or you take them with gratitude. And so gratitude, thankfulness, is, is a vital value for our children and for ourselves. It's vital for a good life ahead so that you can sleep well, so that you got mental strength, you know, so that you got physically and psychologically uh, healthy. It's a vital value. So take time to give thanks. Take time to recall and take time to be grateful. But if you find this difficult, okay, I think I have one story that can sort of motivate you to be thankful. So there was these two old friends who haven't seen each other for a long while and they bump into each other uh, on the streets and one of them was just looking so forlorn and so sad. You know, he was uh, looking down. He could not even lift up his head, almost on the verge of tears. And so this other friend asked him, hey, what has the world done to you, my friend? Why do you look so down? And so this sad guy says, well, let me tell you, three weeks ago, an uncle died and he left me $40,000. Say, whoa, that's a lot of money. Why are you so sad then? Say, oh, but you don't know. Two weeks ago, uh, 
two weeks ago, a cousin, I don't even know I have this cousin, he died. And then a check came for me, $85,000. So this other guy was wondering, what on earth is wrong with you? In that case, why are you so sad? You sound like you've been blessed. I said, you simply don't understand. You don't understand. Last week, last week, my grand-auntie died and she gave me a quarter million dollars. Now, this other guy was really berserk with, with not being able to understand why this guy was so sad. And he said, why do you look so glum? And this guy says, but this week, this week nobody died. I think I better stop preaching. <laughs> okay. But actually, the Bible puts this way better. The Bible just says, give thanks. Be thankful in all circumstances. Whether you receive an inheritance of $40,000 or quarter million dollars and you, do it, you get it weekly or not, be thankful. Because it is God's will for us. It is God's will for us to sleep well. It is God's will for us to be healthy mentally and psychologically and even physically. Gratitude, being thankful, gives us that. So first, be thankful. Secondly, be graceful. And I, I'm not talking about being graceful like a ballet dancer or, or something like that. It's about graceful in the sense of being grace-filled so that you are filled full. So grace-filled and graceful. And then having been grace-filled, we are now able to show grace to others. So what is grace? So someone has defined it this way. Justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And grace is getting what you don't deserve. So talking about grace then, I want to tell you the story of this little boy from our PPH kindergarten. He literally came from the womb of grace. So I'm going to let him share uh, his story in his own words with you, okay? I'll just read. So he says, regarding my time in our kindergarten, one of the things I remember clearly is the star chart that we had up in our classroom. Each of us had our names up on the board on the wall. Good behavior would earn us a green star sticker next to our name while bad behavior will see us receiving a red star. Extra good behavior would earn us a gold star. Being a perfectionist and somewhat competitive at a time, I had the best record in class and was determined to keep it. One day, however, I forgot to bring my notebook to school and ended up being sent to the principal's office. I remember standing, out, standing outside Mrs. Yu's office crying, Mrs. Annie Yu was our principal in those days, not daring to go in, sure that I would receive my first red star. Eventually, she noticed me standing outside, came out to me, but instead of scolding me, she hugged me and comforted me. Against my expectations, I did not receive a red star that day. To me, as a young child, that was grace that I could feel. And this is really the DNA of, uh, of our PPH kindergarten. Grace you could feel. So what's become of this little boy now? Well, he gets to wear a larger uh, graduation gown and a sillier hat. Uh, like, like that. <laughs> no, so he's, he, he is receiving a master's in uh, internal medicine 
and he's a gold medalist, okay? I think he's like the top, 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 top award. And I'm very proud to introduce Dr. Benjamin Hui, in case some of you don't know who this is, okay? Uh, Xing Chuan's, uh, elder Xing Chuan's son, oldest son. Um, and I love, really love this picture. Not so much for Ben Hui, okay? I know what Ben Hui looks like. But that, that city-looking man behind, grinning from year to year, and with a glow on his head. Okay, you see that one? Uh, somewhere down there. Okay, wow. He's got a glow, man. Wow, so happy until it shines. Uh, this one. <laughs> yeah, but you know, nobody would have complained. Nobody would complain if Ben had become a, a neurologist uh, or an oncologist or a cardiologist, you know, and then make a ton of money uh, in private practice, right? Because he certainly got the credentials for it, right? Gold medal in, in internal medicine and a master's degree and all that. And, and if he becomes a famous cardiologist, hey, power to him, right? It's, it's a good job. He helps people. He makes a lot of money. It's great. But Ben chose to practice palliative medicine. There's no money in palliative medicine. There's no glory in palliative medicine. You're seeing patients who are all dying and will eventually die. And palliative medicine is not about curing them. So let me define to you, uh, give a careful definition of palliative medicine. Palliative medicine is about improving the quality of life of patients and their families facing life-threatening illness. It's about the prevention and relief of suffering and the treatment of pain and other problems, physical, psychosocial, and spiritual. It is not curative, but palliative medicine. But it is one of the most love-filled and grace-filled of medical specialties. It's simply just not money-filled. I mean, who makes money from palliative medicine? So this is grace. could have been any kind of other medicine, but who would choose to do palliative medicine? So what is the origin of grace? And where does grace ultimately come from? We're going to go back to the Bible in John chapter 1, verse 14. This is talking about Jesus. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And from His fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. That's the origin of grace, God. Coming down in a visible form to us in Jesus. So what is this grace that is from Jesus, that we have all received grace upon grace? Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God shows His love, shows His grace toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So this is love. This is grace. That Jesus would die for us, would suffer for us while we were still sinners. While we don't even deserve it, we have not even come to Him, He would initiate that and He would do that. Because we are loved. Simply because God is love. And because now that we receive Him, we have been grace-filled, we can then be graceful. We can love others with the love of God, even bombers and killers of Christians in Egypt. You know, there's the story of this 100-plus-year-old lady who was asked, lady, do you have any enemies? 
And she says, no, not a single enemy. And so the interviewer was very impressed and said, wow, you are so gracious, right? You got no enemy. And then she says, yep, every single one of them has died. I've outlived them all. <laughs> wrong, uh, wrong. Uh. It's not so much as outliving others or outliving your enemies, it's outloving them. That is grace, outloving them. So, do you have enemies? I do. Do you? You know, and I have enemies and they're going to get it from me. You know, they're going to get it from me. My enemies don't deserve my love, but they're going to get it from me. Get it? (laughs) See, everybody's still awake. Uh, uh, Not so bad. Okay. Uh, G.K. Chesterton once again. He says... um, Love means loving the unlovable or it is no virtue at all. Okay, I, I, I take a bit of liberties and I critique this. Uh, I think love means loving the lovable. Grace means loving the unlovable. Right? It's grace, something they don't deserve. And, and, and I don't even want to critique this. Okay? Let's turn to the Word of God because the Lord Jesus puts it supremely better than anybody else. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 onwards, and Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I, Jesus says to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the, unju- and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? And this is the word of Jesus. So we need to be thankful. We need to be grateful. And Jesus says, pray for those who persecute you. We need to be prayerful. And to be able to do that, I think it requires something that is outside of us. In fact, it requires something that is divine. To be able to love your enemy, to be able to pray for your enemy. Because that, we need that divine power to change first our hearts. You know, a surgeon can do a heart transplant, but only God can do a heart transformation from the inside. And He can do that when we acknowledge Him, when we surrender to Him, when we say, okay, this is my basic nature, it is vengeful, but I'm going to turn to God, and God, you help me to love my enemies, to pray for my enemies. And that is how it is done. So, to be thankful, to be graceful, and to be prayerful. You know, the verse that we read earlier in 1 Thessalonians 5 that says, be thankful in all, or give thanks in all circumstances. We need to go one verse before that. Uh, and from verse 16 in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and then give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, someone once said that um, I, I pray not because I need anything. I pray because I ought to thank God about something. And there is a very strong link between being thankful and being prayerful. Between praying and between giving thanks. If you listen to the average Christian or anybody who, who pray, usually the first word that comes out of your mouth is God will give you thanks for. Right? Somehow, when you approach the divine, the almighty, you just like, it's so natural. You give thanks first. Before anything else, you give thanks. 
because there is this higher power that is above our human existence. The moment you approach God, this higher power, you know where you are. You know that whatever you have is out of the grace of the, the divine and that our human earthly existence is not all there is to life because there's something more. And that this earthly life is, is only a transient one and that there is life beyond death, there is life beyond suffering, there is life beyond persecution, life beyond torture, life beyond childhood, life beyond adulthood. And so when we pray, we get a handle on life. When we get a handle on life and death, we get a handle of right and wrong, sin and forgiveness, gratitude and love. And especially when a child prays, it's something quite amazing. You know, we say that, oh, you need to teach your children to pray. Oh yeah, of course. But actually to teach a child to pray is only like just lighting up a spark. You know? Once the child knows how to pray, you just sit back and watch and then you become the trainee and the child becomes the trainer. You know, when a child prays, you, you observe it's, it's amazing. There is that innocence, there is that simplicity, there is that power in a child's a prayer. And Jesus calls this what? Childlike faith. Childlike faith. It is pure. It is uncontaminated by cynicism that us who are grown uh, will have and that doubt that we have. And even as we open our mouth to pray, we think, really, uh, God like that, man. You know, we, we have all these things. in. But when a child pray, he is great in the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 4. He says, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I, I remember my own children, uh, when, I tucked, when they were much younger, of course, I tucked them in bed and they will say, and this, this rings in my ears now, pray? <laughs> One of my kids would just say, pray? And, and then we will pray. And, and when you pray together by the, in the bed, what do you say? Thank God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for this, this, this. And... And it's just so powerful when a child wants to pray, when a child asks you to pray. And how can you pray without giving thanks? How can you pray without recalling the grace that you have received in the day? And the grace that is not just received for that day, but the grace that is received for all eternity, knowing that the pains in this earthly life is transient and that you have been promised something far greater. Eternal pleasures at His right hand is what the Bible says. I came across this, this blog written by a grandfather about a child's prayer. And uh, this girl is called Jadin. We do have a Jadin in, uh, in, in PPH as well. So Jadin's grandfather, he says he was on his way, he was driving. Uh, I believe he was probably suffering from depression or something. He was driving to the hospital, he says, to get help for some deep emotional problems. He didn't quite identify what it was. And uh, Jaden was behind with, I think, two other siblings who were older than her. And Jaden was sort of like that old in this picture. And then Jaden says, I think we need to pray for Grandpa as he was driving to the hospital. And so the prayer was this, Dear God, please don't let Grandpa be afraid. Help him to think of bunnies and rainbows and happy faces. Don't let my grandpa forget about Jesus. Please don't let him be afraid or the man. 
because she couldn't pronounce Amen at the time, according to the grandpa. So she says, all the men. Isn't that a powerful prayer? It's so simple, right? So full of faith. So what did the grandpa say in the end? The grandpa says, I think at the bottom line of this uh, screenshot, that little prayer was the beginning of my healing. And I think we need to pray, learn to pray like that. Simple, heartfelt prayers. And um, on, on the blog, this is what uh, Jaden uh, looks like now. Beautiful child of God. I got another beautiful picture to show you. And uh, let me show it to you first. Okay. Uh, our deaconess, Linda, WhatsApp this picture to me some two years ago. And she was so proud. I said, hey, pastor, look, you know, my kids are praying. And I kept it, you know. I know that one day I will use it. And today is the day. Uh, this from Cool Club two years ago. That day, two years ago, they were learning about prayer. And then Gemma happened to be not feeling uh, well. And uh, uh, Mark and, and Zach on this side were, were just, they just stretched out their hand and they just prayed on the spot for her. And you look at this picture. I wish it were a video, but even a picture is good enough, okay? You can feel the intensity of this prayer, right? <laughs> just a picture. And I, I imagine the Heavenly Father on above looking now, wow, these two kids praying, how can I not go and, and reward their faith? So what is the takeaway for today? Very, very simple. Be thankful, be graceful, and be prayerful. 1 Thessalonians 5 from verse 16 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Right, let me just share this one other thing. Um, learn about grace, you know, even as uh, my mom is kind of very sick. And the, to, be, to be thankful, you know, every time I look at her, actually I'm very, very thankful that, uh, that she's my mom and she's had this kind of a life, you know, in spite of difficulties and all that. And now she's in the Lord, uh, but very sick. So on Friday, uh, I took half a day's leave because the hospital bed was coming. And these guys, uh, they say they'll come between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Okay, uh, long enough, uh, four-hour bracket. But what time do they come? 2 p.m. <laughs> Just sitting there from 9 a.m. But I was driving to a home, and um, I saw this uh, traffic sign. You know, it's the, those LED display ones. And as I was driving, okay, this, this shouldn't record. Like, I took out my phone. I want to record it. You know? So I did something illegal. As I was driving, I, I tried to take a picture, but it was so blurred. But what did this word say on the LED display? From the traffic police, it says, choose graciousness. I say, thank you God for reminding me and that I can even use this to share with uh, all of you here. Choose graciousness from the traffic police. Give way to other road users. Oh, there's a government teaching us about grace. Uh, how much more from this church, from this pulpit, that we need to learn grace. You know? So be thankful, be graceful, and then be prayerful. So now let's be prayerful. Let's pray together. If some of us have kind of drifted away from the Lord, um, not being very thankful at all, or we've kind of have hurts in our heart that enemies or somebody has wronged us, but not to the extent of killing us. 
or we haven't really prayed. We haven't connected with the divine as in just coming before God and calling upon His name. Let's do so right now. Let's first of all be, be thankful and I pray the Lord will just reveal to you some of the things you ought to be thankful for. Actually, there are so much, right? But perhaps just one or two. I thank God for my mom. No, I, I, I thank God for my children. I thank God that I'm in a good school. Just express that to the Lord right now. Thank God I'm in a good family. I thank God I can put on nice clothings. That I'm being educated. I don't need to go to work to support the family right now. And then pray. Pray to be grace-filled so that you can be graceful. Pray that you will have that inner strength like that Egyptian priest who can say, you kill me, I still love you. Pray that you will be way, way different from your friends who are non-believers, that vengefulness is just natural order of things. It is not the natural order of things. We want our living to be supernatural. That we will have that internal calm and peace in our heart. That we can forgive. We can be full of grace. And nobody deserves whatever that I'm giving, but I'm offering it out of grace. Because I have received grace from Jesus. And then to be prayerful is simply establishing a good relationship with God. Then we are talking to Him like a little child would. Hey, help my grandpa not to be afraid. Help my mom not to be afraid now as she's sick. Uh, help my friend who's going through a really difficult time in her relationships. Just a prayer like this, like this offered with sincerity and and that childlike faith and intensity before God and see if God would respond with compassion. So let me encourage everyone here to pray. Pray not with grand words, but pray from the depths of our heart. Almighty God, thank you. Thank you that I'm even here today. Many of us, I think practically all of us, child of God, what a status to have. Child of God. Beloved of God. Forgiven by God. Given the Holy Spirit by God to live a supernatural life. That we don't have to be vengeful. We don't have to keep unforgiveness in our hearts. We trust in God even though circumstances are difficult. 
to be able to pray as simple as this. So Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your word which is powerful. Your word which teaches us to rejoice, to give thanks in all circumstances. Because we know that it is your will for all the benefits of gratitude to accrue to us. So Lord, would you help each one here to receive the benefits of gratitude, of grace, to continually call upon you for that divine strength to live a life that is not just outliving someone, but outloving someone. Strengthen each of us for the days ahead. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.